0: Brought to you by BedroomBattlefields.com This is the Tabletop Miniature Hobby Podcast. On this episode, we'll hear Jason's report on Bring Out Your Lead 2023, and we'll hear from Mark, who wants your opinion on potential hobby event opportunities in 2024. Mark and a few others in the Discord are doing a bit of research at the moment, and you could have your say by going to bedroombattlefields.com forward slash event. First up though, let's hear from Jason. I was going to call it Get Out Your Lead there. It's a completely different event, isn't it?
1: A little bit, Um, especially when you're you're chatting about what colour your lead is. (laughs) (laughs) So when
0: you went to bring out your lead, not get out your lead, uh, uh, had you had that planned for like a number of months then that you were going to actually go to it?
1: Yeah. Me and a mate wanted to visit there um, just to see what it was about, and we emailed that um, organiser, Garth. I think we've had him on. Yeah. Um, and he said, yeah, you're welcome just to come and have a, have a wander in and have a walk around and bother people. So that was fine. Um, and that's this we did. And we went on the Sunday, which is the last day of the event, and it, incredibly open. Uh, you wouldn't even think there was an event there because it's just the big manor hall in the area. And it was really lovely, lovely event, and incredibly kind and open of the the owners, the Ansels, to do that because they they really did leave the place to be just swamped by our kind of people. <laughs> and it was uh, it was really entertaining, but I mean, what would you like to know then? So just just my general experience of it, what we saw?
0: Yeah, so talk me through talk me through upon arrival then. What are we kind of looking at when we get there? Like did you drive there and uh, Yeah, in my, let's in my, in my get big out the car van,
1: with you. I turned up in my um big silver beaten up van. Good. And uh, we we get out at the, at the hall, and they've got a giant uh, brick um, retainer wall around the estate. So you park up next to that with loads of other cars, wondering if you've come to the right place. But then you see a few heavy set chaps with neck beards and ponytails and a few Warhammer t shirts. and You think, yep, there's not many other places that would be like this, is there? <laughs> um, so we'll, we'll follow the crowds in, and you go underneath the, the, the old um, abandoned Victorian architecture of um, all of the train, you know, you know, in the countryside, there's loads of abandoned train stations and train networks that just aren't there anymore in the UK. And they look really eerie and fallen down. Well, there's that that you can walk through. So that sets a good, interesting scene to the whole thing. And then you walk through into his coach yards, which is where the Foundry Games is. So they've got some of their casting facilities and some of the sheds. They've also got the shop, which was open on the day. So you walk through the, the big Victorian coach house uh, gates and you're in the courtyard where all the marquees are, the big the big tents and some other the little tents where tables are set up and there's loads of people milling about. We naturally gravitated over to this shop um, on the right because there's loads of blister packs as well as tables and a bit more frenetic energy in there, And which, well, all right, we'll go in there then and have a look. Um, and as soon as you go in the shop, it is something back from the 90s because there's just wall to wall of blister packs of metal minis. You know, there, there is no plastics, there is no fancy, um, you know, devil's vomit plastic covered boxes or anything like that. It's just wall-to-wall minis for you to look at. You don't know where to look. Thousands of the things. You start going through them because us being us, we we ended up not interested in the people at that point. We were interested in the racks of minis in front of us. Just went straight over to them. And all of them, historical or not, would fit in the old school old Hammer vein. And there are some because uh, I think they've got a sister company called Warmonger Minis, something like that. And they've got all of these gorgeous um, metals that are good for your your chaos, your your fauns, your heroes, your dwarfs, your orcs and goblins. And there are some amazing orcs and goblins in there. Some good sculpts, Kev Adams and stuff that aren't from the original '90s lot, but some are reprints. Some are new. And you, they will fit straight into that 90s aesthetic. Oh, and, and you can buy them on the day because they, they um, prioritize all the things that would work with Old Hammer um, in the shop that day. Um, so that you could, you know, mixture with, they could sell more, obviously, on, with the spirit of the event. But it made a great little addition. But in and amongst all those racks are some display cabinets from, I think, Brian Ansell's personal collection. And they are gorgeous. There is plenty of hundreds of thousands of pounds of miniatures just on display, I would have thought. And they're painted to the top quality. And some of them are true nostalgia pieces. They were many of them were all over the old white dwarfs. And like Brian Ansell's personal Chaos Army is in there. The original metal prototypes for Hero Quest and um, Space Crusade are in there, painted beautifully. I mean, you get close and they, the the old white dwarfs didn't actually do them justice. They are brighter than they than you think in the well than I think in, in what I saw in the dwarfs. And the, the the clarity and detail on them is finer than I expected. Um and there's loads of space marines, um all rogue trader era, loads of chaos, and an absolute ton of historicals. And the thing that struck me about all these display pieces was just how bright and clear and bold the color choices were. Um, There were heavier contrast between the base layer and top layer than you would think in terms of color um, tone. I think it's tone, you know, lighter or darker. Um, And the placement is key on those things. But there's often only two colors, and they're brighter colors than you would think, but it really works. Now, I'm guilty as hell of just going down the grim, dark, let's make it grungy look. I, I did that with all my miniatures, but this has completely convinced me to be brighter in many of the aspects of things. And that's just in the shop. I haven't even gone into the games yet. Um, but whilst we were in there, people are so open and chatty that people are just chatting to each other. And then, you know, People would tap me on the shoulder go, hey, how are you doing? What, what you got there? What are you looking into? And one chap, shout out to Michael here, just a chap I met, introduced himself, I introduced ourselves and he said, Can I show you my miniatures? And he went into his rucksack um and pulled out some of the most amazingly painted chaos that I've ever seen. And their proper nineteen nineties era chaos. And we were chatting for twenty odd minutes. And this is the spirit of the event. People were just talking about the stuff they love and just sharing and open. And that's that's how it went through all the time. Every table you came to, people would t- stop and talk, chat, offered for you to join in if they had space and you could just spend hours just going around looking at the amazing miniatures on site. Loads, loads of different games, um, not just Old Hammer. And the spirit of the event seemed to be the um, driving force behind the thing, from what we could tell. Um, and there was just things to ogle at. They spe- were playing a lot of narrative games on there, a lot of Rogue Trader, some more teams, some Warhammer, Dark Future was there, Um and loads of esoteric games as well, some space Hulk, and they were all being played quite differently to what you would expect. In them, no tournament style play at all. Um, the Ansel's were wandering around. Some of the younger Ansel's, I didn't manage to talk to them in the end because they seemed very busy. Um, but one, one of the cha- but but the the level of painting as well at the tables was quite varied, and it really gave you an indication of you don't need to go. Excellent to have a fantastic game and to have it look fantastic. Um, because if you really go excellent on your quality, you have to have it in a cabinet and be six inches from it to get the appreciation of it. Yeah, it still looks amazing, obviously, when you go top notch. Um, but a truly brilliant event, and we went on the choir today because people were reporting to me that the previous day was three times the amount of people, perhaps at least double the amount of people mm. that we had there. And there were some um, famous faces, unfortunately not yours, um, but you should be there, I think. Um, but uh, have you ever heard of Eric's Hobby Workshop on YouTube and stuff like that?
0: Yeah, familiar with the, with the name,
1: yeah. Well, that that chappy had flown over by the look of things. Okay. And he was there. And there was a load of other people as well, but I didn't see them. This was the previous day. Um, but... John Blanche and a few other famous faces were all the, were all there. They were joining in games and having a chat. Um, the famous face that I have to admit that I missed on the Sunday, who was there, was, um, well, I'll tell you the whole thing. We were just walking around, and we saw this old boy sat in a corner in his 1970s leathers, massive beard, and a big um, leather Australian hat, a wide-brimmed thing, and he had a load of Tesco carrier bags under the table at his feet. And yeah, you know, me and my mate being the, the prejudiced people we are, just thought, oh like the old boy's wandered in might be wants some food where we'll even be. Um chatting away. Um and then loads of people kept going to him through the day, we noticed. We thought, oh, that's kind, that's interesting. Um and on the way out, we um someone told us, Oh, have you managed to have a talk to Tony Ackland, the famous artist? what? Uh, what are you talking about, Tony? Well that old boy over there, that's Tony Ackland. <laughs> I just didn't go near him. Um, But it turns out in those Tesco's carrier bags, or whatever they were, was piles and piles and piles of his art folios showing original artwork from all the days of the realms of chaos, all the old White Dwarfs, all the old um, uh, rule books, everything else. And he was just sat there waiting for people to talk to him. Brilliant. Yeah, really open and nice. And um, so it only takes an idiot like me to pass over him, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> or to chuck fifty pence in his hat. <laughs> oh, I felt awful, but you know that was the image he went for, nonetheless. <laughs> um, oh, there's just tons of stuff there, man. So
0: uh, when you're walking round, then you're saying there's loads of different games going on, and were you just, but uh, were you just having a good look at like the miniatures and the terrain and that that was on display? Did anything really jump out to you?
1: nearly every table because every table had something slightly different going on. It's people's individual collections. So that created interest in and of itself because not being tournament, they were so varied in what you, what they had on show. And so you didn't see the same blood angels army every single time um, because it's not tournament based at all. And it was just so interesting and granular and people would painted them. So care with such care and with such narrative behind it. That's every single Warhammer table was something completely different, and every army was completely different and being played in a different style. So one of them, in fact, was the Crown of Command Bods or the European lads, and I think uh, one introduced himself as Marcel, which I think is one of the major names in the Crown of Command, isn't it? Yeah. And um, and he was there just open. He just said, "Oh, you come to have a look. Yeah, come over here, then. Yeah, we're we're doing this. We're just load of guys on Discord that made mates and now we're playing this." And he had um a self-printed book of all those marvellous fanzine white dwarfs with him that he was just showing people and so we had a good look through that and just having a chat with them see how that was going what they were up to and the type of game they were playing really fun stuff really open and really varied uh, which means you could just spend at least 20-30 minutes bothering people on each table and they don't mind mm-hmm. that's, the, that's mm-hmm. the nice thing you don't get the sense that you're bothering them yeah um,
0: stopping me winning the tournament <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs>
1: Or indeed just the sense of, uh, you know, this is my table, you know, bog off, would you? Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, I know you're chatty, but we're quite introverted and we came here to play, not to talk to you, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but none of that at all.
0: So you're saying like the, the crowd was basically about three times the amount on the Saturday. How many would you put
1: it as on the Sunday? Around 12 tables, varying sizes, approximately 30 people. Mm-hmm. on average maybe oh, yeah. a bit more yeah um but that was only a, with, within because we only we were only there for 2 or 3 hours um at first came back for another hour um when we got, got out of a walk and everything else um so it wasn't long that we were there because we didn't want to um, cause although people said oh you're welcome to join in it would have been squeezing us in and it might have detracted from their games we could see that because they were quite full already mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and we didn't want to impose too much. We also wanted to go and have a look at some of the other things in Nottingham Central, mm-hmm. um, because you know we, we live uh, five hours from it driving, so we just wanted—sorry, three hours from it driving, even mm-hmm. though it took five hours. But um, so we wanted to go some other stuff in the Nottingham and the Lead Belt, search the Lead Belt. But next time, I am utterly convinced that if Garth will let me, I'd like to book a table of some kind and mm-hmm. just spend the whole day there. Because it was better than Nottingham in the end because everything that you wanted from Nottingham was there, plus all the yeah. enthusiastic people. No one trying to sell you something. No one trying to push something you don't want under your nose. None of that. It was everything you wanted in one place and mm-hmm. better. Just spend the whole day there and have a game. Um, be a great idea. Um But you, you could go because they had tables in four of the different buildings and outside in two of the tents. So you get a very... So you can go outside and get some fresh air and a lot of light as well. You're not just in the, dungeon, you know, the dingy dungeon area. Um, but the, the, everyone was so open. So you go over to the Space Hulk lot and they're more than happy to chat your air off about what's going on with their Space Hulk, their personal collections, those their lovely almost diorama level of tunnels that they've made just for this mission. Um, and then you go on to the next room and they're playing more time but a different variation of Mordheim. And they've made these awesome terrain pieces out of um, balsa wood and sticks that look quite a ramshackle, dystopian sort of, um, like like a strange village um, in the middle of some mountains. And they're using that as a Mordheim setting. And just lavish of love and attention on these things.
0: Did Did I hear... Uh, somebody saying that that was the last year it was going to be
1: at the foundry Uh, yes so we overheard that walking around and obviously we thought oh we've missed out for 10 years and now it's over oh hell brilliant well done jason that's a tick in the box of things accomplished there isn't it (laughs) um maybe you're a jinx but no they said it's going to continue but at a new location so my understanding of the situation, which is by no means canon or author- authorised at all, it's just hearsay amongst all the people at the event, was the Ansells are selling up the estate, so Foundry has to move premises. The new premises, once they've established it, they'll figure out how they can run the event again in the new location and continue as we currently are. So you might not have the lovely Victorian stuff, but it would be the spirit and the event itself, which is ninety five percent of everything, I'd say, mm-hmm. um, will, will continue next year, um, which I would love to join.
0: I'd imagine it will be in the same postcode ish area. Then, like Every, everything seems that. to be in Nottingham. Yeah, aye, it seems to be the the centre of it all. Always has been. Eh? So it's strange that, isn't it?
1: I don't know. I don't know why Nottingham is just like oh, okay. That's the place we're going to do for um, student Hindus and and miniatures. That's what's going to happen. First
0: million pound footballer. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) hi, Francis.
1: Okay, Um, well, you're you're on thin ice with me in football, I'm afraid I have no idea.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right, back to miniatures and knocking walls (laughs) down. Uh, Did they ask you to knock any walls down? I suppose if they're selling the place, they're not really looking for that, are they?
1: No, um, I didn't actually introduce anyone to what I did. We were talking so much about the hobby, there was nothing else to explain. Mm-hmm. Um, which was, in a way, is a kind of weight off your shoulders, because there's just no expectation of you. There's nothing to. There's, no, there's nothing to talk about other than just the joy of the hobby and its a complete escape. And that seems to be what everyone was treating it as—just a celebration of something they like with people that are in a similar vein to them.
0: So you—you um, you didn't bring miniatures or that. Then you, you just brought your, your no, sale. not this
1: time just myself um mm. uh, we, we kept it simple because we didn't know what to expect mm-hmm. and we also had other things we wanted to do on the day to make make the most of the day f- from our point of view which in hindsight was the wrong thing to do because everything we wanted was at this event
0: yeah yeah oh, well you're learning so if if you were wanting to run a table or take miniatures or play games next year how, how would you how would you ideally see that working
1: um Depending on the scope of why we're doing it, if it's just me and my pal, then I try and book a small table in a dusty corner and we'll play a game over four or five hours that other people can join in or something like that. And then we can just take turns going around and have a look around the other tables and other people can do the same. Um, But if it's a meeting point for, say, our Discord as well as a game for my mate, I would try and book a bigger table And then one, maybe two of us would take responsibility for actually coordinating and setting up what that game is. Then others can then just turn up. They don't have to bring managers. They can turn up. Stuff will be there ready if they want to join in. And that way we can just have a rolling thing of, okay, we only need two people to be running this or one when we're actually playing and everyone else can drop in and out when they want so they can go wandering around the event talk to each other have a nonsense have a have a drink whatever and just drop in and out of the game as it's going um but that's all dependent upon what table you can book on what day because the larger tables often from what Garth told me are reserved for um people that are long standing supporters of the event and they've proven their conduct and everything else, and they and just, just they just deserve it over people like me who they don't know from Adam. Um, so we might we might have a restriction on the size of the table just just for that purpose. Um, also, the premiere day does seem to be the Saturday,
0: mm-hmm.
1: so that would be the hardest to get any kind of table. I would have thought because from their website, the Saturday seemed to have been completely booked out. There were some bookings left on the Friday and there were slightly more some bookings left on the Sunday. Um, but all down to what table you can book, what day, and who you want who you want to accommodate for coming there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm kicking myself for not being able to go because I remember this time last year, after last year's event had just finished, and I was like, it sounds yeah. really good. Definitely going next year. And then I, I've had too much on this year and I couldn't go. And now I'm like I'm definitely going next year, uh, so I need to I need to make sure I make it this time because
1: yeah I've oh, got I, was, the- I was in exactly the same position as you, and the only way I made it happen is I just put it in the diary when I said it, mm-hmm. and and I had a mate that was relying on me as well because he said I'll oh, well, I'll book that time I'll make sure that window is open for me as well, and that mm-hmm. way it just happens. Yeah. So if we had a Discord event, that might increase the chance of it happening for you.
0: Yeah, definitely. Did you did you get a word with like John Blanche or that when you were there?
1: He wasn't there. He was there on Saturday. Oh, he came so, on the Saturday. So I learned. Yeah. I learned the scale of my mistake on yeah. Sunday. That was <laughs> that was all of the famous people the previous two days, apart from poor Tony Ackland, who I looked over because I'm a snob, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Aye, there's always next
0: year, though. You know, unless he totally reinvents himself again, then you
1: just keep. Yes, and I will have more time. And I will be less ignorant of what the actual artist faces look like, because I'm now going to research what the artist's faces look like. Yeah. So I can, um...
0: Did you get a word to Garth on how, or anyone else that was talking about how this event was when compared to recent years? I know I've got the whole COVID thing that blew a hole in it, but you know, if we if we chuck that out and just look at previous normal years, how did this kind of stack up?
1: I didn't talk to Garth other than on email because this was all of the things I told you about Garth was on email exchange before the event. Um, the The chaps that I were talking that I was talking to were just other event goers like me, like Michael. that nice chap, and and Michael's sense was that it's just something that's become um, a slightly bigger each year, slightly more fun each year because more people are aware of it, and. That the, the the sense of camaraderie and the sense of joy over just celebrating the hobby hasn't lessened. It's just increased with it because people have kept it cheap, cheerful, in the same spirit. They haven't tried to capitalise on it, commercialise on it, try to make private sellers come in and, you know, sell their wares. I know Garth didn't like that anyway. It said on the website, doesn't it, that they don't encourage you to sell Buy and sell right. secondhand minis because they're they're being so, it's such a kind thing from the Ansoils that you know will favour their their wares and the rest is just discouraged entirely mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. on site and it just makes such a nice feel to an event. It's a rare thing actually to go to an event where someone's not trying to take something out of your pocket. Yeah, the true focus is what the people is the people and mm-hmm. the celebration of what they're doing. Yeah, um, but the sense was that. This should not stop, mm-hmm. um, and it's got plenty of momentum and plenty of support to continue. Yeah, um, which I, I found surprising because I thought it'd be a very niche, weird look, little thing. I, you know, you 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 can't help but bring your own prejudices of what it might be like. Yeah, um, yeah. I was completely wrong. We saw every every representation of the age demographic, quite a few females, and. We saw um, a lot of families as well of multiple generations in the same family coming to enjoy it. It's just great. Um, It's lovely to see that there are next generations coming up. And a lot of these new YouTubers aren't that old. They're only in their 30s. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And some of them even younger. Mm -hmm. And, And they're coming to this thing, which I'd say probably gives evidence to the fact that the games aren't just appealing to our nostalgia, which I always thought it was. Mm-hmm. I thought the new games would be better, you know, nonstop better. And I'm just a nostalgia freak because it was my childhood, but it can't be, it can't solely be that given the, the, the types of people that are going there are the various, and across the world as well. I mean, people, this Eric fella and his mates flew in from America mm-hmm. for this event. Um, and they're young and they're quite young people. So, it can't just be nostalgia. It's got to be something intrinsic about that time period, the attitude, the flavor, and the, the attitude of people selling it to their younger selves, the younger, the younger people around them. Mm-hmm. It's got to make it more enduring for a reason, right? I don't quite know why. And nostalgia is certainly a massive part of it, isn't it? But this event proved to me that there's something intrinsically good about a lot of these older games and a lot of the styles of play. Because Frostgrave was there as well, that was represented. Um, so there, there is a f- style and flavor of game that seems to be m- more stable over time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I don't know whether I'm reading too much into it,
0: but no, I mean, I suppose it's kind of a different thing. But like, you'll get you get folk that are like fourteen, fifteen that are into the Stone Roses, and Oasis, and they weren't around when they were big. You know, but they like them. you'll get full courage at like the Beatles, you know we didn't grow up with them, but uh, You're quite right just I'm just, just thinking a lot of my it's...
1: bands that I'm into actually are from the decade or two before my mm-hmm. actual time,
0: yeah, so maybe it's the same with games. there's just a quality, a lasting quality that shines through um because the modern stuff, even if you are young, wouldn't necessarily appeal to you. Uh, well, know, there are some that do need. just miss
1: the mark, don't they? Mm. Um, they they go out they make a big splash for a few seconds, and everyone leaves it alone. Mm. Um, I I know quite a few games, even from the big, big moth itself, that have just come out a load of hype, and then nothing happens with it for some reason. Yeah, I'm not I'm not smart enough to know why, but.
0: I I mean it. it the relaxed attitude and approach of this corner of the hobby will appeal to people. Um, I am signed up to Games Workshop's email, just purely out of interest. And I don't open Same most yet. of them, but sometimes I'll open it and it's just new thing, new thing, new thing, new thing, new thing. And it, it's always been like that. You know, the the, the White Dwarfs of the 90s were, were full of new things. So oh, it's, yes. it's not like anything's changed, but... After a wee while, you're like, I don't need new things. You know, when it, when it comes time for me to add to my army, I will, but it'll be on my own terms rather than because I'm opening an email every week and there's 20 new things to buy. If you're in the market for a t-shirt, mug, sticker or magnet with goblin green bases written on it, then today is your lucky day. We've teamed up with Tee Public to create a merch store for the podcast, which you could visit by going to bedroombattlefields.com forward slash store. So go and get yourself some Goblin Green Bases branded merch today and bonus points if you send in a photo of you being escorted out of your local games workshop. That's bedroombattlefields.com slash store. And now, back to the show. Big thanks to Jason as always and now let's hear from Mark as we start to think ahead to 2024. We're kind of doing that viz thing of replying to a letter in the same edition this will go over everyone outside of Britain's heads, but in the, in the magazine Viz, which I talk about now and then, you used to get the box page, you probably still do. And uh, yeah. when I was younger and reading it, and probably shouldn't have been at that age, I was always fascinated that people would reply reply to letters from the same editions, not knowing that it was all just made up. So uh, <laughs> we're uh, we're going on the back of uh, my chat with Jason on the, the same episode. So by the magic of audio, you've already heard that, haven't you?
2: I have. Yeah. Time travel uh, device was uh, deployed to me. And um, yeah, it's really interesting what you had to say. And I think um, him talking about his excellent experience um, at the Bring Out Your Lead event just sounds um, very inspiring. And I'm annoyed that I wasn't able to get there, to be honest, because that was that was something I wanted to do. And I'm sure other people having heard that episode or, or seen post- pictures that people have posted who have been there who didn't get to it were very jealous because it looks absolutely fantastic.
0: Yeah, I'm really gutted. I couldn't make it as well, especially listening back to him talking about it. And uh, aye, I wish I could have got down there. And I'm I'm determined to make something happen. And uh, I always forget the year. 2024 will will be next year, won't it? So um, aye, it'd be great to do some. So that's kind of the topic of our our short chat here, isn't it? That you know, even before bring out your light happened this year there had been some tentative discussions in our community about potentially doing something as well hadn't there some sort of event
2: yeah very much i think one thing that we see as a common thread that people talk about is they talk about how they really you know enjoy the aspects of the hobby where you're doing things you know painting things or building things and doing things in your own time but the the, the one thing that people seem to not get enough time to do is um is get face-to-face with people and and meet new people and play the games and be able to actually socialise. And so actually the idea of doing some kind of a meet-up and and people having that opportunity has been there sort of burning away in the background the whole time, really. Um, And what we've been talking about a bit in the the Discord community is about ways to actually make that happen. Um, And I think that... There's loads of opportunities, different ideas. Um, I've met with some people and we've chatted about different things that we could do. Um, and we actually got enough people in the Discord community who wanted to get on board with that and sort of form a bit of a steering committee committee so um it's about seven or eight of us joined together and and just chatted about what we thought was possible what we thought would be beneficial and uh on what what feasible ideas there are out there and the conclusion we drew is there's so much choice we've got a big diverse community of people all across the world um people listening to this podcast i know you get you know several hundred downloads and that's a lot of people who were potentially interested in something and what we wanted to do is engage with those people and uh, find out what their views were and what sort of events or activities they might want to engage with
0: Mm -hmm. so uh, how advanced are you with this then I mean you've you've kind of put the feelers out and got some folks that were interested in doing the sort of steering committee stuff so you've had an initial discussion about it now haven't you with these folks
2: yeah that's right and I think the the main thread was that there's going to be Inevitably, there's going to be people who can't engage with something because of distance, because of time, because of family commitments and so forth. So. Although there's loads of appetite and loads of enthusiasm to do something, there's no absolute clear path um, as to what would be the most preferred option. Um, so we can talk as a small group and say, well, that that's what our preferred options are, but they might differ to the next person Um yeah, you know jason's experiences of bring out your lead suggests that going to something like that would be amazing but that might not be something that everyone could do so what we really wanted to do was, yeah take that steering group level and say okay well, let's put together a survey survey the wider community all the people who are engaging with the podcast and all the people who are engaging that that might be people who are on discord people who aren't it might be people who have just listened to this for the first time because they've you know found it through google um I think really what we wanted to do is get that broader picture from from as many people as possible to make as informed a decision as we can. Take that results back to the steering group, have a look at it, and then come up with a plan that probably hits as many um, ticks or as many of the boxes as it possibly can.
0: Yeah, I'll put. Uh, we'll mention it again later on, but I'll, I'll create a link for the survey. They'll be able to get that at dot com forward slash event just to keep it nice and simple and i'll pop that in the show notes too so uh what kind of questions are you going to be asking folks on this survey so
2: there's a couple of ones on there just about you know who, who people are whereabouts they are located in the world um we've got a question in there that's um a checkbox question so you can say all of the things that you might potentially be interested in i think some of that has also comes from um some of the discussions we had as a group about some of the things that we haven't seen at events um, and whether or not, you know, there would be an appetite for certain activities that you don't necessarily see go on at these things. So quite a wide range of um, boxes for people to stick as their, their kind of main key interests. And then the main section follow-up question to that is, is one all about um, a sort of level of, you're not making a commitment. You're just expressing an expression of interest at this stage in, in what, which types of activities or what types of events you would be more likely or less likely to attend. So just really trying to gauge uh, people's availability and the potential for running something or the potential for piggybacking on an existing event and, and, and bringing things together like that. So um, there's a question in there about bringing out your lead, for example, because that seems to be um, very much an obvious route uh, that would provide a, a really good Something to pin everything onto, but there's also the scope to say, well, let's do something of our own and something quite grand. So, you know, from from the smallest online gathering up to the biggest face to face gathering, we we want to see what it is that people would be most likely to want to do.
0: Mm-hmm. What is the? Can you remember what the question about bringing out your lead is? Is it just are you planning to go or not? Or?
2: It's more about would you like to use that as a kind of community. Um, muster point, like a bit of a meetup at that, because um, from what Jason was talking about, I know he said that the people in the uh, Crown of Command uh, community, so uh, Joshua's podcast that he runs out of Japan, and that's got a big global community. So they had people come from all over, sort of Western Europe, to come to um, to the Bring Out Your Lead event, and and they met up as a mini group within that bigger thing. So that was the question about that: is almost using it as a as a central point to to do something. And then if people are already in the area and they're already there for that, then it might be that they're interested in doing something a little bit more as well on top of that. Because I know that that group, the Crown of Command group, I think they went off and did some other things. You know, they visited Warhammer World and they did some other things while they were in the area. Uh, because we're quite sort of, it's quite a geographical anomaly that that quite a lot of these things that go on and the things that you might want to go and see are all in that Nottinghamshire area. So um, make the most of it while you're there, really.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. is you're saying like one of the obvious options is that what happens just happens that bring out your lead, but would there be any particular reason why that might not be the best option would it depend on maybe some of the feedback that you got might point to like you know most people want to do this particular thing and that's not happening there or something like that
2: It might be that. And I think the other thing is with the Bring Out Your Lead event falling in um, traditionally in the first week of August, um, then it might just not be appropriate for some people in terms of like when they might have holiday plans or other plans. and It might be something they can't do. I suppose the other thing to consider is the fact that our um, global community, as it is, um, might actually have a bias towards being in a country other than the United Kingdom. And it might actually be that you know we've got members of the steering group who are in france in canada in america you know we've got people from all over so actually people are contributing towards it the thought process at this point but if it turns out that actually you know the lion's share of people wants to do an event in you know in in australia then that would make the most logical place to hold something and uh, i just wouldn't be able to go which is fine because that, i think it would we're just trying to be respectful of who, what people can and can't do. I think the other thing, like you say, is potentially the, the Bring Out Your Lead event is kind of based around um, a certain style of gaming and a certain nostalgia and a certain older style of gaming. And it might be that we've got more people in the community who are looking for something you know different to that so we'll mm. have to wait and see really what the results say I think the most important thing was not being too presumptuous and just saying oh well a small group of people are going to determine what the thing is going to be for a large number of people and then being surprised that people don't come on masse. you know I think we need to go out and talk to people first um the other thing that's was the case that appears not to be and certainly hearing Jason talking was a little unsure as to whether or not the bring Eight eleven event was even going to happen again um because I believe that the Foundry company are moving premises and Brian Ansell, who owns it, is not particularly well, you know, and is older and and, and what the kind of future of it was. So there's an element of thinking, well, if that wasn't to happen next year, then that might not be a a suitable uh, event to to congregate around. But it sounds like from what Jason was saying, it's um, if not guaranteed, then it's certainly planned for next year.
0: Mm -hmm, Mm hmm. So yeah, like I say, you'll you'll find the survey at bedroombattlefields.com forward slash event E-V-E-N-T. I'm just looking at the third question, activities. What type of activities would you like to take part in? So we've got painting and modelling with others. We've got attending painting and modelling tutorials, running a painting or modelling tutorial, taking part in demo games, running a demo game, playing games of your own, playing in a narrative campaign, trying other types of tabletop game attending seminars with industry experts, Q&A sessions, socialising, that's for me, that'll be my answer, uh, purchasing from traders, meeting authors and designers and having books signed, or visiting war games company HQ. So there's just loads of variety there, isn't there? So it'll be really interesting to see what kind of comes out of that.
1: Yeah,
2: I hope so. And I think that the Q&A seminar bit um, was one that, I'd personally be quite interested in seeing whether people are keen on that because I think that um, certainly, you know, if you were talking about an established kind of modern games company putting out contemporary releases, you know, whether that's a Mantic Games or a Warlord Games or a Games Workshop, then they might hold events where they have seminars and people could go along and attend that because they're they're that little bit bigger, but more for the ind- independent games companies or the smaller publishers or older game systems, you perhaps don't really get that kind of thing. But you in your podcast have been able to speak to those people and have got some really good insight. So it might be that actually some of your former guests who you've got a relationship with already might be willing to say, yeah, I'll um, join, even if they're joining in some kind of virtual capacity um, and and provide a bit of an insight into behind the curtain because certainly from my perspective and other people I talk to I think quite a lot of us are quite interested in 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 the industry behind the hobby as well and how what makes that tick
0: yeah I mean a bigger picture question too that I'm just thinking about events is you know the reality of life might mean that events like this are maybe the only opportunity for some folks to actually get a game that they want to play you know a way that they want the game to look and you know, playing against somebody or with somebody that shares their vision of how they want it to pan out as well. You know, in an ideal world, we get together with somebody every week and we can do this. But we all know that that's not the reality for almost all of us. You know, we've got family stuff, job stuff. So, yeah, it could just be the fact that events now, annual events or or you know, biannual events are like the best best way to kind of achieve that, aren't they?
2: Yeah, I think so. Just to be able to kind of say, well, I know that that's coming up and I'll be able to do this this thing in this way. Um, if you're keen on playing one of the main played games, you can probably just look up and find your local games club or game shop and go along on a Wednesday night and, and get a game of that in, in the sort of traditionally played style and so forth. But it's going to be far more difficult if you're wanting to do something that's very particular or very unique. Whereas actually going to an event where you say, Well, we're gonna run this and it's gonna be done this way and people can come along and this is the, the point of it. People will get on board with it hopefully in a slightly more um it, it's an opportunity to have that sort of you know, there might not be very many of us, but when you bring it all together, that's probably quite a few people and it'd be enough. But you but you you know, the distances between people mean that you need that kind of that event, that focal point to bring it all all together and make it worth doing.
0: Cool. Is there anything else you think we should touch on before we point to that survey link again?
2: Not specifically. Um, the only thing I would say is um, do fill it in, even if it's something that you, even if you're going to say that you probably won't attend um, to all of the different the different types of events, because I think that the more data we can get and the more responses we can get are really important because then we know we're making an informed decision. If we were going to make a a decision based on only a handful of people's views, then it could easily be quite skewed and not actually reflect what people want. So even if you can't come, but you would be interested in responding and saying what type of event that you would like to see if you were able to, then please jump on it and, and fill it in. Um, you don't have to give any information beyond what you might want to. There is an opportunity to leave your email address on there if you wish to. Uh, the data is not going to be used for anything other than just um, responses to this, but it just allows a sort of small mailing list to be put together so that people can be corresponded with uh, about what any plans might be happening. Um, so yeah, as many responses as possible is probably the the one thing that we're really looking for.
0: Mark's going to add everyone to his Bitcoin mailing list. And, uh, That's it, yeah. Regular updates on there. <laughs> do you remember the link? Have I done my job properly?
2: Yeah, perfect. Event.
0: Event. That's it. Bedroombattlefields.com slash event. Uh, cool. Yeah, I'll be filling it in straight away. And uh, oh, yeah, cool. I encourage everyone else to do the same. Thanks very much for listening to this episode of the Tabletop Miniature Hobby Podcast. If you enjoy the show, then please do share it with someone else you think might enjoy it too, and be sure to check out our Discord community of like-minded hobbyists, which you could find at bedroombattlefields.com forward slash Discord. It'd be great to see you in there.